Hello everyone! Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host, I am Masa. Hello everybody, I'm Sean. We hope that you are cuddled up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Right before we get to today's episode, we would like to take a moment and mention that we hosted our very first online conference. Yay! It took the place of a conference we had intended to do in Japan. The conference featured presentations by Kelly Snyder, who was our keynote speaker, and ourselves. And when you have a moment, please visit her new website, kellysnyder.com. We will put a link to her new website in our show notes. Kelly gave an amazing talk on the constructional aggression treatment, and we gave talks on the constructional approach, constructional affection, which is our topic today, and a constructional approach to shelter management, which we will have to talk here sometime soon. We had amazing audience from all over Japan, and we could build an amazing team that consisted of speakers, professional translators, and the staff who supported in every way to make this conference enjoyable and successful. We want to thank both the audiences and the team. Also, we are planning to host conferences in the United States soon, so please stay tuned for the information on that. One more thing that we would like to celebrate with everybody is that we have passed 1,000 downloads of our podcast. Yay! <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners. We wouldn't be doing this without you. So, in today's episode, we will be completing two part e p i s o d e on construction affection. Today's part will be focusing on the procedure. So, let's begin! That's right. Today we're going to talk more about the procedures.、Um, in our last episode, I think that we pretty thoroughly covered the history. So, to start, I'd just like to remind everybody what constructional affection is. And constructional affection is the use of affection, usually a petting, gentle stroking, and other you know, similar physical contact to shape up desirable behavior in our animal companions. It's really used to teach them how to ask for and how to receive our affection. And、um, so, you know, when talking about, you know, petting our dogs, I, I typically don't like to really, you know, put a lot of restrictions on how we pet our dogs. But I do want to put out there that sometimes the way that we pet our dogs and the way that we interact with our dogs can often lead to different types of outcomes. My example I like to give here is、um, sometimes you'll see people pet their dogs. They'll usually do this with larger dogs. Where they'll kind of slap their sides, you'll hear it kind of like this while they're petting them. I call those happy slappies. And typically, when we do those, they seem to, on, for the most part, have the effect of getting the dog excited, which might make it more likely that they might, you know, jump on you or start barking or get rambunctious and do other things. To where if we're gently petting them and stroking them softly, it's more likely to. To kind of get them to calm down and hang out with you. So, if we have a dog that's already pretty excitable, it might be a really good idea to start it off and, and set the dog up for success by at least initially making sure that we're interacting with them in a really,、uh, in a really calm fashion. So, for these reasons, I highly recommend that we you know, use those long, soft petting strokes. and 
use a nice soft tone with them too when talking to them. I usually like to tell them, you know, oh, you're such a good boy. What a wonderful puppy you are. And talk real nice and smooth to them. You know, when we get excited with our tone, oh, look at the puppy. You know, the dog's going to get real excited and, you know, probably start jumping and licking. And, and you know, although the, those are things that us as, you know, typical animal lovers might love, you know, not everyone out there really enjoys those types of things. And, and so when looking to train a dog, at least to greet visitors or working with dogs in shelters, I kind of recommend just teaching the dogs how to calmly approach people and sit near them to ask for affection rather than getting excited and licking because not everybody likes that. And like we mentioned earlier, we want to make sure that we're maximizing the opportunity for our animal companions to get access to this reinforcer that they love so much, which is ourselves, our affection. And um, so, you know, constructional affection is the use of our affection to teach our animals how to calmly ask for and receive our affection. And this is actually a two-step process. And in constructional affection, the first part of it is what we call the interaction guidelines. And the interaction guidelines are actually what teaches our animal companions how to calmly ask for and receive that affection. And we do that by following these four simple steps. When the animals approach us, and I like to stress that, they, they need to be approaching us. We're not going to chase them around the yard or chase them around the couch and, you know, scoop them up and force them to be victims in our petting exercise. We want them to come to us. Um, we want that strong approach. If we don't have that approach, I, I highly recommend taking a look at the situation because you might be in need of constructional aggression treatment. So it starts when they approach us and when they do that and they come within arm's reach and all four feet are on the floor, then we'll go ahead and we'll start petting them with one hand. And now if they start to jump or, you know, nip at our hands or lick or do any other undesirable behavior, we'll discontinue petting. And as soon as that behavior, you know, discontinues and they go back to all four feet on the floor and being calm, we'll begin petting them again. And at any point during this exercise, if sitting or lying down occurs, we immediately start petting them with two hands and we really start pouring the affection on them at this point. And it's through repetitions like this that very, very quickly, your dogs will start learning, wow, I can just walk up and, and sit next to somebody and get the affection that I've, you know, wanted so bad from them. And you'll see it transition quickly to other people. I'd like to talk real quick about a story, a dog, um, that I worked with in the animal shelter named Charlie. And Charlie was extremely barky. As a matter of fact, during the time when myself and the other ORCA members were volunteering at the animal shelter, if you would have asked the staff, you know, what was the you know craziest, most excitable, unhandleable dog that you had ever seen, Charlie would have been probably one of the first, you know, three dogs probably that they would have named. And um, he would bark, for a long, 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 long time. In this video that I've got, he he just, he went barking on for, I mean, minutes, uninterrupted, just constant barking and really, really high-pitched. And he would jump all over anybody that came near him. He would sometimes get a little bit mouthy, which can be really dangerous, especially for a dog as large as he was. And um, I did constructional affection with him, and it took maybe, I think that video lasts maybe probably somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight minutes, I want to say. And by the end of that video, he's just lying down right next to me being calm and new people are approaching him and he's greeting them with that same calm behavior that he just learned with myself. 
and that quickly transitioned to other staff members, and he quickly got adopted and found his forever home. So through the interaction guidelines, we can very quickly and effectively teach dogs how to receive our affection, which is something that they love. And when we can get this, um, get these kinds of interactions going, it really sets the situation up to be mutually reinforcing for both of us, meaning ourselves, the humans, and then also them, the, the, the dogs in this case, or perhaps cat. Um, and it leads to these situations where we can just kind of hang out together and enjoy each other's company and both be benefiting from that interaction. Thank you, Sean. That was a great explanation of the first step of construction affection, which is the interaction guideline. The key element of the interaction guideline that sets up fast and effective behavior change is how we provide affection. As you heard in the step, we pet with one hand as long as the dog is standing with all four feet on the ground, and we pet with two hands as long as the dog is sitting or laying down. These as long as is the key. With most of the training programs that use food, petting, or toy, and so on, typically those things are provided after desirable behaviors, but the dog has fixed amount of access. If it is food, uh, they only get one or two or three pieces if it is jackpot, or if it is petting, they may receive maybe up to 10 seconds on their specific, specific body part like their neck. However, with interaction guideline, we provide affection as long as the dog is engaging in desirable behavior. This is technically called conjugate reinforcement. And it's been experimentally shown to be a critical component of building social relationships. If you're interested in this, please look up the work by Dr. Ogden Lindsley. So with that information, let's move on to the second step in construction affection which is the affection loop. That's right. The second step in constructional affection is the affection loop. And, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the purpose of the interaction guidelines is to teach the dogs how to calmly ask for and receive our affection. The purpose of the affection loop is to extend these uh, periods of being calm and extend them to new situations that are important to us. And some of these situations might be for uh, the dog to remain calm during medical examinations or when they're getting their nails trimmed. Um, it could also be during other situations like when feeding them or introducing them to new people or, or even new animals. And um, so the way that the affection loop works is it is really just an extension of the time where our hands are off of the dog in between instances of petting. And so it might start where you're with your dog and doing the interaction guidelines and they're sitting in front of you being calm. And you might just take your hands off of the dog for one second and then come back to them and continue petting them. And what we would do is slowly extend that time our hands are off where we're petting and maybe we take our hands off for three seconds and return to them. And then maybe five seconds and 10 seconds and slowly build that up to where we can take our hands off and maybe walk away and start to even build a stay queue. And, um, and so there's many situations we can extend this to where it might be really important to us. And I'm going to use an example real quick of a dog that was actually uh, my colleague's dog who, you know, helped develop this program with me, uh, Chase Owens. It was his dog, Rocky. 
And the story I'm going to share is also actually part of his thesis. Um, this project I'm going to tell you about was, was one of those uh, three participants on his thesis. And uh, so Rocky was a really excitable dog, and specifically when you would go to get his gear to go on a walk. That drove Rocky, you know, so bananas. He would get crazy. He would start running around and barking and making noise, and he would really kind of pose a challenge to Chase whenever he would be trying to put his harness on to go for a walk because Rocky wouldn't stand still long enough for him to get it done easily. And uh, so what what we ended up doing was uh, doing the interaction guidelines with Rocky right there in his front room by the front door where Rocky would get really excited. And so Chase got Rocky really calm where he could stand there and be really nice and really well behaved, just kind of sitting or lying down, hanging out in that front room where he used to get really excited. And now at this point, if Chase had just, you know, stood up and grabbed you know, Rocky's harness and leash right off of the, the wall pegs, he would have likely gotten up and started jumping around and being excited again. And so we had to take small steps to get from where he was, where he was being calm, hanging out on the floor by the front door, to putting on the harness on him and staying calm as well. And so he did this in baby steps. And he would be petting Rocky and take his hands off just for, you know, three seconds and then coming back to him and petting him and then taking his hands off for five seconds and coming back to him and petting him. And then he would take his hands off and stand up all the way and then come back and pet Rocky. And then he would stand up and touch the gear that was on the wall and come back and pet Rocky. And then eventually he would, you know, take it off of, take the gear off of the peg and put it in front of Rocky, put it back. And then eventually he was able to put it all the way on him, buckle the gear, hook up the leash and take Rocky outside really calmly. And now this had, you know, a bigger effect on Rocky than just being able to be calm there in the doorway. We found out a funny thing, you know, before when Rocky would be super excited and, you know, we'd kind of wrestle that gear on him and get him outside. If he met a dog outside, it was kind of hit, and, hit or miss if Rocky would be really calm and respond in a positive way or overreact and maybe respond in a negative way. But once when we had done this with him, when Rocky would go outside calmly, whenever he would meet new dogs, more often than not, he would respond in a positive fashion than in a negative one. And so this really kind of helped to set the tone, you might say, for how he also might behave on the walk after uh, putting on the harness and gear. And so this is just a really good example of how we can use the affection loop to transfer being calm to other situations where it's particularly important to us. And one point that I want to add to this is that once when you've started doing this procedure with a dog for a little bit, you know, a short period of time actually, you'll notice that they're going to start paying, you know, really close attention to your hands. And those things are going to become pretty important to the dog. And and so we can take advantage of this and before we go to return to pet them when we're doing the affection loop, we can actually start to exaggeratedly kind of flash our hands open, kind of like jazz hands, you know, in, in music. You know, show them the hands, you know, open wide. That way it kind of builds that cue that you're coming back to them to pet them. And this can become really important, especially when like building a stay and you're not immediately there in front of your dog to return and pet them. 
it can help when it, to let them know that they've done well to give them that hand flash. And uh, for those of you out there that are familiar with clicker training, here in this situation, your hand flash can kind of begin to operate much like a click does in clicker training. So now I would like to, you know, share one last example with all of you um, from an animal shelter on how we used the affection loop to help a couple of dogs there. And so when I was volunteering at one of the local shelters here with Chase, um, we found uh, two dogs that were kept in the same enclosure together at the animal shelter where we were volunteering. They um, had these great big enclosures, and if they had two dogs that got along pretty well, they would sometimes let them stay together inside the same enclosure. And um, Wilco and Wilma were an example of this. And um, they were both these beautiful pit bull mixes, you know, really, you know, sturdy, tough-looking dogs and just as sweet and cuddly as could be. And um, we went inside the enclosure and we're specifically working with the larger one, the big fella, Wilco. And um, he quickly, you know, picked up on constructional affection and loved the interaction guidelines. He was more than happy to do whatever needed to be done to, you know, do the affection loop. But, um, you know, Wilma, we weren't actually focusing on. And a funny thing happened. We were working the affection loop with Wilco in his bed. And they both had their own beds inside this enclosure. And Wilma ran over and sat in the same bed with Wilco right next to him, just like he was as straight as could be. And we started doing the affection loop with both of them. And so this example I wanted to share for this reason. A lot of us might have multiple dogs. And this is a procedure that we can very easily incorporate with both dogs. And sometimes you don't even have to directly, you don't even have to directly train one of them. Sometimes they'll just kind of learn by watching and come in and participate like in this example. But the reason why we were actually doing um, constructional affection with these guys inside the animal shelter was because um, a lot of you have probably been to an animal shelter and the dogs are really excited and, and sometimes they went out, you know, of the enclosure and maybe not even to escape the place, but just to, you know, see something else or get in, you know, smell some other dogs or something like that. And so what we ended up doing was teaching the dogs what we called at the time kennel behaviors. And that was how to behave when someone was entering and exiting your enclosure um, when visitors were coming by to, to look at dogs. Um, we wanted when people approached the enclosure or entered it, we wanted the dogs to just kind of sit or lie down or just calmly be where they were at and not rush that front door to get out. And so we would start with the affection loop with the dogs inside their bed. And we would slowly extend that affection loop where we would stand up and go towards the doorway open it up, close it, mess with the latch, come back to them. We would sometimes, you know, move their food and water bowls around. We would do the things that the staff people working there might be needing to do and might really appreciate having a really calm dog inside that enclosure while they're doing it. And so that was why we brought the affection loop to those situations. And one advantage that I would like to mention right here is that we actually you know, we don't need any fading procedures when using uh, constructional affection. Um, in these situations, you know, especially being that affection is what the dogs are looking for, we're actually using the reinforcer that's going to be available in the natural environment. 
And so once when we would establish these behaviors, they would actually be maintained by engaging in those behaviors themselves. In the case of the animal shelter, when we would, when we had finished with Wilco and Wilma, we had actually put, you know, a dot on their door, on their enclosure. And this told all of the other staff and volunteers that these dogs had learned the affection loop. And now whenever they would walk by and see the dogs, you know, hanging out calmly in their enclosures, they would know that it would be a good idea just to pop in every once in a while and tell them good boy or good girl and, you know, give them a couple of belly scratches and go ahead and leave. And that contingency actually maintains this behavior, which is a beautiful thing to not have to worry about a complex fading procedure to make sure that our behaviors transition to the real environment because we're actually kind of working in the real environment in these, in these instances. Thank you, Sean, for those wonderful examples. We both know that there are so much more to talk about this, but we will have to save them for future episodes. And I bet that there are many people out there with questions about how this might apply to dogs with a separation anxiety, hyperactivity, or even specific situations like being at the veterinary office or the groomers, or how this might work with other species in general. So we look forward to doing those shows soon. But in the meantime, please check out Construction Affection website, which we will put in our show notes. The information is available both in English and Japanese. And if you go to the site, you will see the procedures of both interaction guidelines and affection loop. And there are many training videos done by Sean and Chase. You can also find thesis done by Chase Owens that we mentioned earlier in this episode. So please check out the website when you have time. There are many excellent resources here. This marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy this episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. And feel free to get more information or reach out to us on Facebook, Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training, or email us at caawtcontact at gmail.com. Our next episode is going to be an extra special one. And we'll be on the topic of another constructional program called the Constructional Aggression Treatment. Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions. <laughs>